second piece here of scripture and talk about the law here of love. Because we have an opportunity today to learn, to look into God's word and understand that Paul wants to exhort and encourage the church to be sensitive to other people's liberties and be sensitive to their conscience. You see, conscience is so important. In fact, sometimes God uses our conscience to convict us, convict us through His Spirit to speak to us about a certain place or a thing in our life or, or maybe a, a freedom or a liberty that He has given us or He hasn't given us in our walk. But being sensitive to conscience is so important in other people's lives. And today we want to open up our mind, go into God's Word and say, Lord, today I choose to live not only by knowledge, but I, I choose to live by love. Because love is more effective, love is more impactful. I'll tell you, since last week, for the last, you know, since last Sunday up until today, not one or two or three, more than five, I would say, of some of us, even among us, have approached me, and, and it's not just you, it was many of, of people in and outside of the church that, that came with a question to me in the last seven days alone and asked me, is it okay for me as a Christian to drink? Is it okay for me as a Christian to go clubbing? Is it okay for me as a Christian to go dancing? And all these questions came to me in the last seven days from multiple people. And it's so amazing how the Holy Spirit works because now you're thinking, oh great, now he's going to do a big message about that because I asked the question. No, we, we studied 1 Corinthians chapter 7 last week, so God is awesome the way he works it. And today we're going to talk about those things because it's important that we all know that we have to have a good witness. Do you have a true witness or a poor witness of what it looks like to be a Christian? You see, your example, it matters. It matters. And we have to avoid at all costs to misrepresent Christ to others. Think about how are you representing Christ at your workplace? How are you representing Christ in your marriage, at your home, to your children? Because we have to avoid at all costs to misrepresent Christ or mislead people away from the Lord. So that's why these topics as, as drinking and dancing and clubbing and all these things, when they surface now, it's important that we think about our witness. You see, when it comes to Christian liberty, I want you to know something. When it comes to Christian liberty, it's not about how much I can get away with, but it's about how much freedom from sin can I enjoy. How much freedom from sin can I enjoy? And you would say, well, I have these certain liberties and freedoms that the Lord has given me. But let me tell you this, you have to draw the line and you have to set boundaries. Because what's going to happen when that freedom that you believe that you have or that privilege that you believe you have is not enough? How far are you willing to go? Well, you know, I'm just going to take one drink and then one drink it's going to lead to something else. Or how does that testimony or that witness look? And I'll tell you this before we even move forward. If it causes compromise in the life of, of, of those that are around you or in the life of anyone, if it causes someone to backslide or to compromise in their faith with the Lord, then it is not your liberty. A lot of people think, well, I have the liberty to do this, but then it's affecting your marriage, your home, your kids. It's affecting the way you serve the Lord. Then it's not your liberty because it's affecting your spiritual walk. 
Is it drawing people closer to the Lord or is it drawing people away from the Lord? If it's making people or is it making it hard for people to be holy and it's making people easier for people to sin, then we shouldn't want nothing to do with it. And we're going to read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 what he talks about because he gives us principles on love over knowledge. It says here now, now concerning things offered to idols, they'd ask them the question to Paul concerning idolatry. We know that we have knowledge and knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And that's there the power line today. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, in fact, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning eating things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, or as many gods, as many lords, for Yet for us, there is one God and one Father, whom we are all things, we are for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all are things, and through whom we live. You see, it's important that we understand here, because they're asking the question, and for them culturally, I'm just going to set the stage on why they're asking this question. You see, they would have meat that they would sell at, at the meat markets. But that meat that was sold at the meat markets or the, the temples, there were meat that was leftovers that, from that meat that was offered up to idols. And I'm just giving you the, the stage and setting the stage for you culturally so you would understand what's taking place. So now you would have these people offer this meat to idols and the leftover meat, they would go and they would sell it at a very discounted rate. And just like then, just like today, Christians are always looking for a bargain, right? <laughs> So we would, they, the Christians would go and buy this meat that was less expensive. And they would ask themselves, is it, is it bad for us to buy this meat? It's cheaper. It's, it's, it's less expensive. And, and we want to save some money. Is it bad that we eat this meat even though it's offered up to idols? We know that idols are false. We know that we serve one true living God. That's just a statue. That's just an object. It does nothing to us. It is nothing for us. It doesn't make us stumble. So if we're going to get a good deal, hey, let us buy the meat there. However, they're asking the question because they want to be sensitive to other people and they want to be careful. You think about it, some people did not know. They were not strong enough at the time. And they didn't know that it was okay to maybe eat that meat because that meat didn't make you right or wrong with God. They didn't know that it was okay in the grace of God to be able to exercise that because it wasn't going to make you better or less in the eyes of the Lord. So they're asking this question, what should we do? What should our approach be? And now what he's going to tell them is choose the way of love instead of the way of knowledge. Just because you know, just because you know doesn't mean that you should partake. Why? Because someone else doesn't know. And if they don't know, it can make them believe that you're sinning. Or if you offer it to them, they come as a guest to your house. It can make them believe like they're sinning. And it can mess with their conscience and lead them into condemnation. You see, your conscience is so important. There's a story about a man that wrote a letter to the IRS. And he wrote this letter to the IRS with a check also in his envelope of $150. $150. <laughs> He wrote, Dear IRS, here are $150 of back taxes that I owe over 10 years ago that have been bothering me. And he wrote the check. 
At the end of his note, it said, P.S. If I still feel bad, I'll send the rest. (laughs) Do you see how your conscience can bother you? You see how your conscience can really have something and an effect in your life? You see, when we choose the way of love, we're choosing the way of a life of service. We're choosing a life of service to God and to others. And that's why we're choosing to live by the way of God. He says here now in verse 1, Knowledge, we, know all, we all have knowledge. And this is something so important in the Corinthian culture. They all thought they knew it all. They all thought they had arrived. They all thought that maybe, you know what, this is, we're, we're there, we're, we're above, we're exempt. And that's what knowledge kind of does. It puffs up. The word puffs means to inflate, or the word puff means to swell up. You know what pride does? It makes you, uh, knowledge does? It makes you prideful. It makes you believe that you are superior sometimes or that you're exempt. That I don't care what other people's standards are. I know I'm superior and that's what my knowledge does. But he says love is something different. Love is more impactful. Love edifies. Love builds up. Love here, the word edify he uses, love is a construction or edify is a construction term that means to build up. And the purpose here, the purpose of love is to edify. The purpose is selfless. The purpose is sacrificial. And you're looking at other people through the lens of love versus through the lens of knowledge. Not through a prideful, arrogant standpoint, but through a heart that loves. You see, there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Head knowledge gives you an understanding of what you ought to do. But heart knowledge moves you now in compassion to be able to exercise knowledge properly. See, love is the best ingredient to the church. Love is what strengthens the church. It's not knowledge what strengthens the church. It is love that strengthens the church. It's the best form of influence. It unites even in a pagan world. Love unites. Some people, he says, are inflated. Some people just swell up. Some people are temporarily puffed up. But others are edified. That means that they are growing because of love. And that has much more of a lasting effect. You see, it's so important that we know that the knowledge that you have of God, the knowledge that you have of God should only make you more loving. Just because you are more mature in the Lord than somebody else, it doesn't mean that you're above them. In fact, it would cause you, it would demand out of you, and it would require a certain responsibility out of you to love other people. The knowledge of God should make us more loving. Where we think about other people first. What did Jesus tell, say when He told His disciples in John chapter 13? He told them something important. He said this, By, by this we all know that you are My disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can somebody tell today that you're a Christian because of love? Because you operate from love. You don't operate from knowledge. And I'll tell you, the Spirit-filled Christian will always look to love people. Will always look to have the best interest in mind of others. I love what Ellen Redpath said. He said, Christian behavior is founded only on love and not simply on knowledge. And the goal of the Christian life is not knowledge, but the goal is love. I'm going to tell you today, you think you have a privilege or a liberty, do not let your privilege get in the way of your purpose. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to love people. 
And sometimes we think that we can exercise a privilege and it gets in the way of our purpose and no longer are we feel fulfilling the calling of God in our lives. What is your purpose? Your purpose is more important than your privilege. You see, you owe it to your Christian brother and your sister to love them and it is your responsibility to edify them, to grow them and to see them strong in the Lord. And now that he, he lays out these principles of love now and of knowledge, look what he says here now in verse 2. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. If somebody thinks that they have arrived because they have knowledge, because, oh, I've been a Christian and I have all these years of Christianity under my belt and maybe I studied in depth the Word of God and I, I, I know that I am able to do this. And, and you start to think of yourself a little bit above than what you really are. He says you really don't know nothing. You know, the best thing that you know is that you need the Lord. That's the best thing you will ever know. That we need to hunger for the Lord, that you are not above. In fact, you need to, to say and come to the acknowledgement, the realization, I don't know and I need the Lord. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, I love what Paul says. He says, for if anyone thinks of himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. If you think that you're something and you think you have special privileges and you're above and, you, and you're exempt from a certain standard of holiness because of how much you know, then you're wrong and you're deceiving yourself. You're not exempt. And it says here now, verse 3, But if anyone loves God, this one is known by Him. This is who God recognizes. Those that are abiding Him, those that are now fully committed to His love. He knows you and He knows that you don't know. He knows that you need Him. He knows your weaknesses. You see, and instead of going to that whole issue of food, He goes into the principles of love and of knowledge. And now that he's explained that we have to operate by love and not by knowledge, look what he says here in verse 4. Therefore, now that we've made that clear, that love is more important than knowledge. Why is that important? Because love requires some humility and knowledge sometimes exalts pride. Love always requires that humility when thinking about your brother or your sister. And it says here, now, therefore, now, now that we've established and define love and define knowledge now. Concerning the eating of the things offered to idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that there is no other God but one. We've already know and you know. That the idol it does, does nothing to you. You go into a restaurant sometimes and maybe you see a little statue of an idol. And a, or a little thing going on. And you have something going on. And, and for you it doesn't bother you. Because you're just eating. You know there's only one true God and, and that's just an object. That's just a, a, a something, a decoration that someone maybe believes that is a God. But we know that there's a one true living God. And you understand that. And look what he goes on to say. You understand that there is only one God. In fact, verse 5 it says here of chapter 8, For even if there are so-called gods, it doesn't matter what other people believe. Regardless of what others may believe, you know the truth. And what is the truth? Whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God. We know that we believe in the one true living God and the Father of whom all things and, for, and what we are for Him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all, are, are all things and through whom we live. You see, we know that there's one Father and we know that there's one Son. 
And by Him we came, by Him we were created, and because of Him we live. And why do you know that? Because the Holy Spirit has given you that revelation. And the Holy Spirit's giving you that revelation, and you understand that because the Holy Spirit controls your life. And you're grounded, and, and you're, you have that foundation of the Word of God in your life. You know that there are no other competing gods. And eating food doesn't really matter. All other claims of gods are false, and it doesn't really mess with your conscience. That's what he's saying. And he's teaching them here doctrine. He's teaching them here knowledge. The New Living Translation in verse 6 reads it this way. But for us, there's one God, the Father by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things were created and through whom and through Him we live. What is he saying? What is he saying? The relationship between God and the Father's love. And because of Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with the Father and we know that there is only one true living God. That's why these things offered to idols mean nothing to us and we're able to partake of them. We're strong because we understand that. Because we understand that. However, verse 7... And I love how he starts it. However, <laughs> I want you to always think about that word when you're about to make a decision and a choice. I know this. However, they maybe don't know this. I can practice this. This is okay for me. However, I have to look at it through the eyes of somebody that's not strong in the Lord. I have to consider maybe the weaknesses of somebody that maybe doesn't understand yet. However, verse 7, it might not make me stumble. However, here, let's think of a better way. You see, in verse 7, there is here, not in everyone, that knowledge. The knowledge that you have is not in everyone. Maybe you know, maybe you have that knowledge, maybe you understand that, but that knowledge is not in everyone. For some with the consciousness of an idol until now eat as the things offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. For some people, they feel that their conscience is defiled when they partake of this certain thing that has been offered up to an idol. Why? Because they're still growing in the faith and they feel, if I partake of that, it's going to make me feel like a very sinful person. It's going to make me feel that I'm not grounded in the faith. It's going to make me feel that I have backslidden because I'm weak. Now, and when he's referring to weak, he's not referring to a weakness of now self-control. He's referring of a weakness of not strong enough in the faith to understand yet. But you do understand. And as you understand, you have to know this, that other people don't know that. As you know, doesn't mean that everyone else knows. It doesn't mean that everyone is as strong as you are or, or maybe has that knowledge that you have in the Lord. And they start to feel defiled because they partook of that. What did already establish now in Romans 14, 14? What did Paul already tell him regarding food? He said this, I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing unclean of itself. We know that food doesn't make us unclean, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. You see, it's about their conscience. They think that it's unclean. So in their mind, they're feeling the condemnation of the sin. But look what he says, however. I love that he says, however, you know why he's doing that? Because he's choosing to be available rather than arrogant. And today, what are you? Are you available or are you arrogant? Are you proud when it comes to the convictions of your brother or your sister? You see, in this case and in these cases, when we talk about Christian liberties, it is, it is not the most important priority to be right versus showing love to the family of God. And sometimes we're more concerned about being right than about showing love to other people. 
Oh, I'm right. You know, I know that there's nothing wrong with this, so I'm going to do it regardless of what others may believe and whether that leads them away or they approve of it or they disapprove of it as believers, as believers, then I don't care. That's an attitude that we can have. That's a very proud attitude. Because we can say, you know what, it doesn't affect you. If you read God's word, it doesn't affect you. But because you love them, guess what you're going to do? You're going to yield to them. Have you ever been driving down the road and you get a fork in the road, right? And you see, what do you see? An upside down tri yellow triangle. What does that say? It says yield. It says yield. You see, and, and more importantly in the Christian life than just driving around and doing whatever you want, we have to understand and watch, watch for those yield signs in your Christian walk. What kind of yield signs is the Lord giving you to where you give someone else the right of way? And you say, you know what, I'm going to be sensitive to them. I'm going to yield. I'm going to move forward with caution. And I will give up this liberty or this privilege because I'm more concerned with purpose and with love. And I'm going to give this thing up because it doesn't matter. I'm going to give this up for the sake of that person who maybe doesn't have that freedom because they don't have that knowledge either. Why? With the objective of not causing another brother to sin. With the objective of not causing another brother to sin. When you love someone, you know what the, the number one thing you, don't, you want for them? Is to get closer to the Lord. And when you love them, you also want them to get away from sin. So if you can be a good testimony to them, understand this. You have that responsibility and you're able to yield to other people. Verse 8, it says this, But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. It doesn't make you more or less spiritual. You haven't gained favor or lost favor before the Lord. We already know this in, the things, in regards to the things that you eat. 9, verse 9 it says, But beware. Isn't this amazing? For he says, therefore. Then he says, however. Then now verse 9 he says, but beware. You see, now you would ask yourself, you know what, Art, that, that just really doesn't make any sense because this meeting, eating of, of meats and of offered to idols, that's not relevant to us today in today's culture. Well, it's not, but what is it in your life? And maybe it's not that, but today it can be something else. You fill in the blank of what it is, what liberty it is that can cause you to stumble. It can cause somebody else maybe to stumble, right? As they're watching you from the outside and somebody that's growing up in the faith, what kind of example are you leading them to? What kind of example are you leading them to? Because it says in verse 9, but beware, be careful, caution, warning signs, yield signs all over the place here. Yield signs here. Think about this. Be careful here. Verse 9 that this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak, to those that don't know. Well, maybe you say, you know what, I have that liberty. I can do that. But beware that your liberty doesn't get in the way of someone else getting closer to the Lord. Because if it does, then you have to be willing to give up that liberty so that others can get closer to the Lord. And I love that word that it uses in verse 9. It uses the word stumble. You know what stumble means? It means to lose your balance. It means also to, to fall because they can't handle and you start to offend them in their conscience. Well, you say, well, I don't care if I offend them. I know I'm right with the Lord. When you offend your brother, your sister, because of something that you're doing that they believe in their mind is wrong, guess who you also are offending? You're offending the Lord Jesus. And it's going to say that right now because you're a stumbling block to them. You're being a bad example and a poor witness. Do you know that today you're called to build and not to break down? 
And if you're called to build instead of breaking down, we ought to be very careful, beware, that we don't mislead or misrepresent the Lord. Especially in the public view of people. You, you think about what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 6. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones to, who believe in me, who believe in me. He's saying not the unbeliever. He's talking about the believer. Those who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to tie a millstone and hang it, hang it around his neck and it would be drowned in the depths of the sea. God is serious about this. He's serious about your testimony. And now in, verse, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, 15 and 17, Paul then says again, he says, See that you walk circumspectly. See that you walk carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Are you walking carefully? Are you being careful of what you do? Are you thinking before you act? Redeeming the time because the days are evil? Knowing that the time that we're living in, the days are so evil. So because the days are evil, because darkness is thicker, light should be shining even more. And you understand this because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise and understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you understand what the will of the Lord is? It's your holiness, but it's also you building up your brother in holiness as well. Now, verse 10, it says here, For if anyone sees you, I want you guys to underline that in your Bible. If anyone sees you. Because people are always watching you. You would ask yourself, well, well it doesn't matter because, you know what, I, I, I know it's not wrong, but what if someone sees you? What if someone sees you walking out of the bar at 12 you know, a.m. at midnight and they see you and maybe they're, they're making, they're a weak believer and they're, they're thinking about, man, should I go or should I not go? And that's the life that God pulled me away from. And they see you, a mature Christian, that you think it's okay that you have this liberty to go, come out of that bar at 12 a.m. They're saying, hey, if that person does it, then I can do it as well. People are always watching you. You see, it doesn't matter how much you know, people are always watching you. And you don't know what they can interpret from your actions. What are you giving them to interpret? People are always watching you and they're learning from your behavior. I think about my, my one and a half year old son. You know, he, it, it's pretty incredible because I, I, never have, I never purchased him a, a guitar. I never taught him how to hold a guitar. I never taught him how to strum a guitar ever. I never did any of those things. I never sat with them and I told them here, this is how you hold the guitar. This is how you should strum it. This is how you should put your fingers. I never did any of that. I haven't even purchased someone. <laughs> but somebody gave him one. <laughs> and he walks around the house. He knows how to hold it and he knows how to strum the guitar and he's actually pretty good at it. <laughs> I never taught him that though. <laughs> you know how he learned? Because he watched me. Because he saw the way I did it. So he went and he picked up his guitar and he said, I can do it just like he can. And he started to strum his guitar. What, what kind of strumming patterns are you showing to people in your home? What kind of strumming patterns are you showing to people that you work with and you, that you live with? Are you teaching them that it's okay to go back into a life that they were rescued from just because you believe that you have that liberty? Look what it says here in verse 10. It's so powerful because it says here, If anyone sees you and have knowledge of eating in an idol's temple, it says, Will not the conscience of them who is weak be emboldened? Look at emboldened. Will that not, they not be encouraged now to violate the things that maybe lead them into condemnation, emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? Will they not encourage someone? Oh man, if that person can do it, then it, it must be okay. And if they, I mean, I see them over there turning up in the club and you're just chilling and you're just at back, laying it easy. You're not doing anything. 
But if that's what a Christian can do, and they're not as strong and founded in the Lord as you are, guess what they are doing now? They're going to feel like it's okay to live any type of lifestyle. Because they're not strong enough to handle it. They're debating about whether to participate in it. And they're watching you and they're saying, if that person has the approval of it, then I must as well too. But see, we can lead people closer to the Lord every day. And you have the option to do that. But we also have the, the option to be able to stand in the way of them and the Lord. And in verse 11, look what it says. And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish to whom Christ died for? Because you think that you know and you're strong enough and you have a superior knowledge that this weak believer, should they be stumbled? Should, should they be destroyed in their consciousness? Should they be led into condemnation because you think you're strong enough? Well, isn't that a little bit arrogant and proudful and selfish that you think that you want to have a good time so it's okay for others to stumble? It's not worth it. It is not worth it. It's not worth it. And sometimes you're saying, well, you know what, this is my fit. You know, I've heard this one too many times. Well, I'm doing it. What if I do it in the privacy of my own home? <laughs> in the privacy of my own home. Guess who's watching you in the privacy of your own home? Your kids are. And your wife is. You see, and your family. Those are the first ones to see. Are you willing to make your kids stumble? Are you willing to make your wife stumble because you're leading them astray? Because you think that you have these liberties that can potentially lead to compromise in your house. Now, I've heard it too many times. Where husband and wife, they think it's okay to go out on the weekend. They'll go have a drink together and this and that. And all of a sudden, they start to compromise in other areas. Because they feel that they can take a step into this, this liberty that they may have. And it's okay now. And pretty soon, guess what? They don't want to come to church. The, the marriage is in the home is a disaster now. Because they decided to compromise in the small areas. See, every small compromise leads eventually to a huge denial. And you would say, well, that's nothing. Small compromises will lead to huge denial. And the liberty is going to be affecting your marriage. It can be affecting someone else. So you have to be careful. Your actions should never only consider self. Your actions should always consider others as well. It's never a good time to just leave and give up your witness. It's not worth it. And you would say, well, man, you're being legalistic about these things. You know what Paul said about that when it comes to legalism and liberty? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he talks about that. And he says this, for you brethren... We're called to liberty, not to do only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your liberty as an opportunity for yourself. But through love, through love over knowledge, through love serve one another. You see, as Christians, we have to know that we're an example. And we're either a good example or a bad example. Of what it means to follow the Lord. And, and think about that. If we're really putting a stumbling block before someone else from coming to the Lord. We're not going to have to answer to that. And you'll say, you know, well, I only answer to God. Well, yes, you're also going to answer to God on how you treated your brother and your sister. You're also going to answer to God about that. In John 15 verse 13, Jesus tells us, Greater love, there is no greater love than for a man to lay his life down for his friends. Wasn't Jesus the perfect example that he didn't even lay his life down only for his friends? He also laid his life down for his enemies. Why? For the sake of people coming to Christ, for the sake of people coming to the knowledge of salvation. It's so important this because someone is always watching you. Think about this. What about that person that's on the verge of giving their life to Christ? And then they believe, you know what? It's okay. It's, it's, being a Christian is no different. 
I can be in around the same places. I can touch the same things. I can taste the same things. There's no holiness. There's no standards now. I don't have to really abide in the Lord. I can still do whatever I want. People are always watching you. Can they inter- what, what are they interpreting from your life? You see, this is so important because maybe today God is asking you to give up, to forfeit something that you, you possibly, it is perfectly innocent and harmless. But for the sake of someone that's watching you and studying your life critically, you want to say, you know what, I'm willing to put that aside because it's not worth it to make someone else stumble. You think about it two, two ways when you're debating whether or not to partake of this. What will, number one, what will Jesus do? <laughs> will he do this? And number two, will it make my brother stumble? And if it makes your brother stumble and you think that Christ would not represent himself like that, then just don't do it. Because it's not worth giving up your testimony. It really isn't. Verse 12 and 13, as we end, it says, But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound, you hurt them. Your liberty can potentially hurt them, wound their weak conscience. You sin against Christ. When you offend them, you're also offending Christ. Don't think it doesn't have a lasting effect. You're making it harder for them to be holy and you're making it easier for them to feel like they're sinning and both of those things are wrong and you're offending Christ. You're sinning against the Lord directly. What does it say in the New Living Translation? This verse it reads, And when you sin against another believer by encouraging them to do something they believe it's wrong, you're sinning against Christ. Now verse 13, it says this, Therefore, if food, but I want you to go ahead and fill in the blank for whatever it is that maybe God's speaking to you about. Because today, maybe it's not food if we're realistic. Maybe it's something else. But therefore, if drinking, therefore, if going clubbing, therefore, if maybe going out and watching certain movies in the presence of other people that can possibly make them stumble, therefore, if you fill in the blank, makes my brother, my children, my co-worker, my spouse, stumble. If it makes them stumble, I will never again, look what it says, eat the meat, lest I make my brother stumble. What is he saying? If, it, if that's going to misrepresent Christ, if that's going to make someone stumble, then I never again will take part of that for the weaker vessel. I will refrain for the sake of the believer that maybe is not strong enough because I don't want to do anything that causes someone else to stumble. If it's food at the end of, in their day, then he said, I'm going to give up food. But what is it that God is speaking to you about? Because before you do anything, make sure that love is the motivation, not your knowledge. Make sure that love is the motivation and not your knowledge. You see, we don't want to give people an opportunity where they are put in a position where they're tempted to sin. And think about how many times we've given people the opportunity and we've opened up a door to where they are now tempted to sin. And if they're tempted to sin, guess what? It's, our, it's because of what the representation that we gave to them. We made them feel that maybe it was okay. We made them feel comfortable about that atmosphere and about that arena. That's why, you know, it's, it's interesting when you see all of us that we know the Word of God and sometimes we feel like we can do whatever we want and be okay with the Lord. It doesn't work that way. God wants holiness. God wants you to shine your light. Shine your light. And so many times we're over here flaunting our liberty that we never show them the light. Because we want to wear our liberty on our shoulder instead of wearing the badge of the light of Jesus Christ on our heart. 
And we're hanging out with all these people that don't know Jesus and they never get to know Him. Because instead of you showing them the light, you're just saying, I'm not too far different from what you are. No, Jesus wants you to be an example. In fact, to end today, I want to read to you Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. That means that you have a responsibility as the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how, how is it going to be seasoned? If salt no longer has flavor, how is it going to purify? How is it going to make it people now seasoned food? How is it going to add that taste, that flavor? How is it going to make you thirsty for more? Then it is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And as the light of the world, you have a responsibility. It says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't hide that light. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but under a lampstand and gives it. And it says, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When people see your, your life, when they see your, the style of the way you live, do they glorify your Father in heaven? Do they look at, at the Lord and say, you know, there is a God. And because of that person's life, I'm inspired. I have an example on how I, I can live to the Lord. It's interesting here because we see that Jesus is exhorting them. And he's telling them, you don't grab a light. You don't have a light. And guess what? You don't go and you hide it and bury it because you're with your friends or you're at work or you're with your family. In fact, you put it on a lampstand so that it can provide light in a world that's dark. Are you providing light in that world that's dark? It's not about how much you know, but it's about how much you love. It's not about the revelation that you receive and the knowledge that you have, but it's about the inspiration that you have through the Holy Spirit that you can love others and say, you know, for the sake of others and for the glory of God. Can we choose to be that people that say, you know what, for the sake of others, number one, and for the glory of God, that's the way I'm going to live. And if my co-workers and my friends and my wife and my children, if in any way this gets in the way of them getting closer and knowing Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, then I want nothing to do with it. Because we are just a platform now. We are just a canvas so that God's glory can be reflected and that others would know Jesus and the love of God. See, God's maybe asking you today to make a decision of total consecration, total consecration, not just partial consecration, not part-time discipleship, not a lukewarm relationship, but maybe total consecration where your time, where your treasures, and where your talents are all given up to the Lord. And the way you use all of those three things, the way I use my time, the way I use my treasures, and the way I use my talents are for the glory of God. It's for the sake of my brother and for the glory of God. Maybe God's asking you to do that. Total consecration to the Lord. You know why? Because at the end of the day, it's going to matter when you go to heaven, are you going to hear say, Him say, well done. Well done. Instead of saying, why would you ever, why did you mislead my children? Why, why did you time and time again think, let them believe that that was okay? When the gates of heaven are open and you're there standing before the Father, are you going to hear Him say, well done? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for the cross, Lord. We thank you because you've given us forgiveness, Lord. But we ask, Lord, likewise, Lord, that we wouldn't live a life that's so selfish, that's so arrogant, that only thinks about self instead of thinks about thinking about others. We ask that today we would...